Welcome to Craftcast, the Freemasons podcast. Today we don't have a guest. Today we're going to be you're going to be stuck with our co-hosts. Uh, a reminder: Sean, James, and myself, Stephen. Uh, and today we're going to be talking about something that we believe is interesting to everyone who's interested in Freemasonry. I hope you enjoy. So guys, I think one of the things that would be really great to discuss, we're all relatively young, sat around this table, um, but I think it's safe to say that, particularly in the United Grand Lodge of England, the average age of a Freemason, Sean, you may know better than me, is probably high 50s into 60s at the moment. I would say so, yeah. Um, But we're all young guys, and I think it'd be good for us to talk about our experiences as younger Freemasons and what it's been like going into a lodge with older brethren, how we found bringing newer brethren in from Stephen's point of view. So, yeah, I mean, Stephen, you're the the baby here, so... Sorry, just to clarify, Stephen, what what year were you born? Um, Well, I I think... You, you, when we were talking earlier, a lot of people normally guess two thousand. Uh, I would have, yeah. I would have said two thousand, yeah. yeah. I, I was actually, I was so, so a lot of people sort of said to my mum, "Ah, oh, you won't have a millennial baby because I was born in ninety nine at the very end." So my birthday is the 29th of November, nineteen ninety nine. Oh, oh, so you just missed out on the millennium then? Yeah, just, but just uh, the but I mean, the, the way the way my my mum saw it, the way I see it, is that if I live to a hundred, I will see three centuries. That's very true. Do you get this as well, both of you now, when you get ID'd in somewhere and they just look at the first number on the age, on your year of birth? Oh, it starts with a one. You're fine. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I I still get ID'd a lot, I'll be honest. You do look about 12. No offence. But having said that, I noticed that if I have facial hair, it doesn't happen. That is exactly why I have a beard. Yeah. I mean, I'll be honest with you. I've not. I, I didn't even get ID'd when I was underage. <laughs> when you when you were fifteen, I had a like... very tough paper round. Yeah, Story about getting ID'd. I was in the US recently for work, and we went to a student bar. Now, I would like to think that I look twenty-one, but I know that I don't. You do. You look like you're in your twenties. Oh, you're James. so kind. I'll be honest to me. with you. Thank yeah, you so no, much. No. Um, but I'm anyway, I went. Careful. I went to this bar and. Have you got ID? Yes, I do. Pulled out my driving license. No, sorry, we can't take a UK driving license. You what? need to go back to your hotel and get your passport. Wow. They would only accept my passport. I mean, I'm, I was very flattered that they thought I looked under 21. <laughs> Just imagine you with that bit at the front of the, her Britannic Majesty. Let me in. Yeah. Well, I mean, Th- I, this says I can do anything I want. <laughs> yeah. I have sort of a common experience with that because my ID is a Gibraltar ID which looks different oh. to a, a UK ID. Is that like trying to spend Scottish money in England? Uh, so we have Gibraltar money and you can't spend it in England. You actually can't spend no, it. No, you're not. Is it a bit to. like sort of McLovin? You know, <laughs> <laughs> super bad. Like McLovin <laughs> driving so, license. So it's exactly the same value. Yes. In Gibraltar, you can spend UK yeah. money, but you can't spend it the other way around. Is that a nightmare whenever you come back to the UK? Yes, because you have to separate. They all look the same and you still have to separate them. Oh, no. So you have to like really read through each one to see whether it says Gibraltar because on Because you, Stephen, obviously you study in... The UK, right? Yeah, so I study at Keele University. And what do you study? Uh, biochemistry and neuroscience. Wow. Smarty pants. Actually, yeah, someone with intelligence. And oh, I don't know. It's a bunch of long words, really. Isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I don't so, know. It might be. <laughs> so that, that's probably a good segue in, into the conversation about age in Freemasonry. So yeah. like we said, Stephen, you're the youngest member of, of the podcast and you're quite heavily involved with the, the university scheme. Yeah. You're in a university lodge. What's your experience with being young in Freemasonry at the moment 
Uh, I mean, I'd certainly, I, I can't sit here and say that it isn't mixed. Uh, there's certainly a lot of different experiences that I've had from a lot of, there's a lot of surprise normally at how involved I am in Freemasonry, given my age. And that, mm. I think, stems from when we were talking in the first episode about my, my background from um, with my family, that I've, I've naturally sort of got a, a lot of experience behind me that is sort of unusual for someone my age. Um, so, yeah, surprise is probably the most common Thing that I'm I'm greeted with uh, most of the time it's a lot of I, I think one of the reasons that a lot of people join uh, and and often people who join who don't know about it find it's a very good reason to, to keep coming back is meeting people that you otherwise wouldn't mm. uh, and and I think the age spectrum is one of the most interesting ways to look at that uh, and and sort of almost linked to that is sort of your your job background so most of the people at my at my age will be their student job will their their job will be student. Yeah, their job status will be student. Whereas you'll be meeting people that may be, you know, standing for for their MP role uh, in their in their local elections. You might meet someone who's a, who's a neurosurgeon. Um, you might meet someone who's uh, who's uh, who collects the bins. You know, it, 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 you could sort of have anyone from any background. Yeah. I think that is one of the great things about Freemasonry, actually, is that mm. when we say that it's a great equaliser, that we're all level, it is actually true that you yeah. could be sat next to a pilot, a brain surgeon, a refuse collector, potentially somebody who's just lost their job. And, and we all treat each other with that same respect and dignity yeah. Yeah. and brotherhood and togetherness. And I don't, th I honestly don't think you get that in any other organisation. Well, no. I think, yeah, and, and there, I heard an interesting talk not that long ago about sort of what's the difference between Freemasonry and an exclusive golf club. You know, and I think I, I think a really nice example answer to that is I attended a, a meeting uh, last year, and two of their members, one was the political leader for the Conservative Party, and one was the political leader for the Labour Party. One was senior warden, and one was junior warden. So they're very involved, very heavy jobs in the lodge mm -hmm. that work very closely together. And when they're in the lodge, there is no political discussion. There is mm -hmm. no there is no tension, there is no rivalry. Mm. They're there as brothers because they have those same Masonic values and they respect each other mm. in that way, no matter their political beliefs. And I think that's a really nice example, a, very, yeah. a, a true physical example of having people from very differing views in society, often opposing views, yeah. directly opposing views in society, sitting down at a dinner in a meeting and saying, it's nice to see you. Yeah, and I actually, I think, I th yeah, I, I agree with you. I think that's that's replicated in history as well. I think if you look at sort of the American Civil War, I think there are yeah. proven cases of, you know, um, both sides coming together across that sort yeah. of battlefield yeah. to meet in Masonic meetings. It, it feels almost like the the sort of the the story of the World War when they stopped for, at Christmas for a football match. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's a similar, I think it's a similar yeah. uh, theory, at least, of, of despi despite what's going on. Obviously, that's an extreme uh, example, but yeah. uh, despite what's going on in the world, meeting on a, on a common value yeah. of, of, of a common uh, appreciation. Yeah. And I think on the age thing, you know, I, I joined when I was 18, like, like yeah. you did, Stephen, and the brother who proposed me was at the time the lodge secretary and even then he must have been late 70s um he's, he's kind of the father of our lodge now the most senior oldest member and i always remember him saying to me because as i said in the first episode i wrote to the province yes and yeah. he, he got a, he got a, a phone call from the provincial grand secretary at the time 
got this guy who I've spoken to on the phone and interviewed. Um, I think he might be quite good for your lodge. How old is he? 18. No, far too young. Far too young. No, give him a chance and, and, and meet him. And he always says to me, I really regret saying at that moment you were far too young because it's been so good to have you in the lodge yeah. and yeah. to bring other new and younger what, masons what, in. James, what, why do you think he had that initial reaction though? What do you think? What, what did he mean when he said you were too young? Too young for what? Well, I, th- I think, you know, it's probably down to the fact that at the time, like we discussed in the first episode, you had to be 21 yep. to join without dispensation. And typically, it would only be if you were a Lewis, like you are, Stephen, yeah, that you would get... Son of a Mason, yeah. So what's the yeah, Lewis, guys, just yeah. for the listeners? So you have to... It's a son of a Freemason. Son it? of a Freemason. So you're, you're actually a Lewis, uh, unless I'm mistaken, I believe you're actually a Lewis until you become a Freemason, then you're no longer technically a Lewis. Uh-huh. So you're you're a Lewis because you are the son of a Mason. Right. Once you're a Mason, you're just a Mason. Right. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah. So I think it may have been partly down yeah. to you know I was under twenty one. The rules would, essentially. The rules. Yeah. I would have required dispensation. I wasn't known to the lodge, like I say, so I wasn't a Lewis. A bit of a stranger coming in, yeah. and you know maybe a little bit of preconceived ideas about young people. Does he have his head screwed on? Does he want to join for the right reasons? Does he want to join because he thinks he's going to get something from it in his personal or his professional life? Yeah. But that kind of all went away when we met, and I explained the reasons that I wanted to become a Freemason, and I think it's the greatest decision I've ever made. And now we're so close. Yeah. Me and him, yeah. and he's in his eighties now, yeah. and we have such a a broad spectrum of guys in my mother lodge, from eighty to seventy, down to guys you know twenty, twenty one, and it, it does bring people together from those different ages. Well, yeah. I think it's uh, you make an important point that, like, uh, that was the sort of uh, that those were the rules, and and that was so it was his initial reaction to go absolutely not, but I think my understanding of why that rule was taken away or changed to, to 18 is that being 18, it doesn't mean that all 18 year olds are going to be ready the same way that all 21 year olds aren't going to be ready. There are still a lot of different things that you have to go through to join under, you know, making sure that the lodge that you're joining, yeah. you get on with making sure that they, they feel that you have sort of those Masonic values about you uh, mm. understanding what's important to you yeah. uh, as a person and I don't think being 18 or 21 changes that you can be a very mature 18 year old or a very immature 60 year old and actually the age of majority in the UK the age where you can you know drink vote Do everything buy yeah. cigarettes it's 18 yeah. so it does seem a bit out of step to have kept I'm not it. sure there is anything off the top of my head no. I can think of that, that you can't do at 18 no I don't think so maybe some obscure license for something maybe, yeah. maybe. what's your experience in the uh, staff lodge here been um yeah i mean by the nature of it being a staff lodge actually we we're very good as a lodge encouraging younger members of staff to join uh, obviously members of the staff lodge have that unique perspective of, of freemasonry because it's their lives essentially you know and we've got members from across departments really so masonic services member services you know who see freemasonry very much in probably a different way to a lot of other people and what I particularly enjoy, and this was the same in my mother lodge, uh, actually, is traditionally that first bit of work that you do as that sort of new member. It's the working tools, isn't it? I, 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 I think that progression works because it's, it's a small piece of ritual. It's a nice piece of work to, to sort of get your teeth into. And, I mean, I, I, it was certainly the first bit of work I did in the lodge. Was it, was it the first bit of work that you guys did? It was the first piece of ritual on the floor I did yes. for somebody else. But what what we do in my mother lodge is when you go through your second degree ceremony, 
we make you recite your first degree obligation, which is, you know, for the non-Masonic listeners, it's the promise oh. you take when you're initiated. Really? That's a lot. So there's some questions and answers. The, yep. the Masons listening will know what I mean, that you have to answer. But then the senior warden, who's the second in command, if you like, of the lodge, will stand up and go, Worshipful Master, I would like to hear Brother James recite his entered apprentice obligation. Wow. Which is probably four to five minutes yes. to recite. Yeah. But I was given that almost immediately after my initiation, within a month and gone, right. Oh, so you have to learn it? I'm not going to tell you why, but learn that off by heart. Oh, wow, that is intense. And it was That's a year. Difficult. It is difficult. It was a year between ceremonies. So I had a year to learn. All oh, right, yeah, I mean, when you say it like that, it's... Uh... Still, though, my initial reaction is that's too much pressure. It is a uh, lot of pressure. Uh, obviously, I don't want... To, like, that's how you do things. I don't want to question. I'm just saying that, that I would feel too pressured by that. We myself. don't make them do it if they don't want to. Okay. Sure. But we oh, ask them to learn it, and, and most people do it. But what it taught me, it taught me how I learn ritual. Yeah, yeah, it got yeah. me into the habit. How am I going to learn this? Yeah. Now, everyone's different, but it, it, it did work for me. Talking about the working tools, I was at an installation in Warwickshire last night. Mm. And the installation, for those that don't know, is when the Worshipful Master, the head of the lodge, changes. Yep. And the working tools in part of that ceremony were delivered by an entered apprentice who'd only been a member for, I think, three months, four oh, months. Oh, brilliant. Yeah, good for Word them. perfect. Yeah, brilliant. It's a good piece of ritual to do first. I, it was the first piece that I did. and uh, First degree working tools. Actually, it was, I, I did the third degree working tools ah, first. Actually. have to be different, Stephen, don't you? Yeah, I know. Always. <laughs> Straight to the third. Straight to the third. <laughs> um, yeah, well, and I actually did it for um, for a family friend of, of ours that, that w- had just done his, his third degree. And so that was actually a really nice thing to do as my first piece because it was for someone. I mean, I, I think that's one of the nicest things about doing ritual in, in a lodge is because even if you don't know them, you will get to know them and that will mean yeah. something to you that you've been able to do that for them because that's what it's all about, not not for yourself. Yeah. Um, and so for to do that for someone who I also, you know, who meant something to me anyway, yeah. was really nice. Yeah. Um, and a nice example of that actually was that, uh, so my one of my primary school teachers, uh, in fact, one of my most favourite primary school teachers, um, is now a member of my lodge. Uh, and I got to take him round as senior deacon oh, uh, wow. for his for his master mason's degree for oh, his third degree, cool. which meant Shoes that I'm on the other foot now. I'm in charge. Well, I, it meant that I could lead him <laughs> round something that you know lead him through something that he didn't know, allow him to navigate his way through Freemasonry, yeah. and help him do that. That was really special for me. Yeah. Did that bring you quite close together as well? That experience definitely. And so I, so my dad knows him as well because um he actually runs I, I play chess and he runs the the local chess club both my parents do uh, and my and they also taught in schools for 13 years right um and my my teacher clive he he worked in uh, in school still and helped run that school chess Hi, club clive, if you're listening, <laughs> i'm sure he clive. will now that i'll shout tell him what's his surname um, uh, barton clive barton shout out to clive barton yeah he was uh teaching chess and, and he got talking about Freemason with my dad and and so I had a little fight with my dad over who was going to propose it <laughs> who was going to second it did you win the fight I, I didn't actually I oh. lost oh. Um, but <laughs> aren't you uh, a black belt in taekwondo uh, I am yeah so why didn't you win that fight so it, it had, to be, a, it had well. to be a verbal one <laughs> oh, right. okay. Okay, fair enough. and I usually lose those so. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah so so um, no I, I was it was uh, quite nice. the the thing actually probably the predominant reason was that I unfortunately couldn't be there for either his uh, okay. initiation yeah, or his 
uh, or his uh, passing, his second degree. Um, so it was re- even more special for me that in the third, for his third degree, I got to be there. And I, we actually broke a little bit of protocol and in the, in the dinner afterwards in the festive board, uh, I stood up and at where you normally give a toast to the initiate, yeah. which you don't do for someone who's already in Freemasonry, no. I gave a toast to the Master Mason. Um. And I prepared a toast um, that was specifically for him and said something along the lines of that it, it was weird for me that just a short decade and a half ago he was telling me off for standing on a chair and <laughs> at seven years old. I'm sure that's all you were doing, Stephen. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, and here I was calling him Brother brother Barton yeah. and being able to be a part of his Masonic journey was really special for me. And did, did he come to you and your father and say I want to become a mason or did you find out he wanted to be one kind of as that journey progressed I think I think and I think this is the same with a lot of people who are acquaintances or close friends even it it becomes a oh what's that about because they find out in some normally accidental way that you're a freemason like they bump into you when you're in your suit and yes. tie and they're like where are you off where to where are you going yeah. yeah or they or you you're a bit tired and they say well where were you last night you go oh, i was i was yeah. i was at a meeting and, yeah, yeah, yeah um or they or they see you maybe reading reading your book and and learning your words or what yeah. often it's an accidental way and so that just opens the dialogue i think which yeah. is a nice segue into i think this podcast you come across something that's it's all about opening that dialogue yeah absolutely uh, and making it accessible yeah which is also again part of the university scheme what we do with that is yeah and and I think actually, uh, as a Freemason, which a lot of people don't, I think probably from my experience, a lot of Freemasons even don't fully appreciate from a young person's perspective that you are always representing Freemasonry as a Freemason. Yes. Everything you do and say. Very true. You are the image of Freemasonry. If that is the only Freemason that someone knows, you are the image of Freemasonry. And and in, in university, for example... You don't, I don't think we even realise the extent to which we have an impact on the university around us. No. And, and you see it in the smallest things, but you might not know, know for 20, it's, it's immeasurable really, because you could have someone who comes up to pass the freshest stall, asks you a question, has an interesting conversation, then goes, not for me, sorry. Yeah. You go, that, you know, perfectly fine. But you now you know a bit about it. Yeah. And 20, 30 years later, they could have a son who goes, oh, dad i saw that mum dad i saw this what do you think of it yeah and and that mum who's come up and and spoken to to us and decided it's not for her but then goes yeah instead of going oh what's that rubbish they go yeah that that was interesting actually i spoke about it once go find out yeah i think that's so crucial actually because you are that possibly that singular point of contact that that member of the public has ever had with freemasonry Yeah. yeah In my province, we did a, um, a Pride Festival a few oh, really? weeks ago. So we went to, I think it was Leamington Pride, and set up kind of what we call our Let's Talk stand. It's not yeah. a recruitment tool. It's not aimed at that. It's just come and talk to us. Tell us what you know about Freemasonry. Maybe we can dispel some common myths. I think that's the important thing. It's not recruitment. It's, it's not, not a hey, come tool. here. It's a, this is what we are. Find out if you want. Yeah. And it's we, your choice. We had so many people coming up to us. And just going, so tell me about Freemasonry. And when you think about Pride, it's a very diverse group of people. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, gay, straight, lesbian, transgender people, people of all different ethnicities. 
and it was really nice to have the opportunity to talk to somebody about Freemasonry, not trying to recruit them, like yeah. we say, not trying to say, oh, here, take a form P and join. Just have an interesting conversation. But let me just tell you why I joined, yeah. what it's about. Yeah. Let me tell you what isn't true about it. And I had so many people came away from that who may never want to join Freemasonry, and yeah. that's fine. Yeah. But they shook my hand and said, you know, you've actually answered some really pressing questions I had, and I feel better about Masonry now, just by yeah. being that public face of it a little bit. Yeah, and actually I think some of the research that we've done at the centre shows that actually the majority of people don't have an opinion either way. Yeah. I think we, we presume that everyone cares. Actually, not everyone does. No. And that's fine. But I think what we need to focus on and what we we are committed to focusing on is that, okay, there are going to be people that are never going to want to become Freemasons, and that's fine. But let's address those misconceptions that people have about who it, who it is that we are and what it is that we do. Um, so, okay, they might not want, want to join, but at least the impression that they have of us is a positive one. And I think some of the research that we've done recently has shown that we're moving in the right direction in that regard. So those yeah. people that previously maybe wouldn't have ever thought positively about us has drastically reduced. Yeah. You know, and we're now in a position where actually people are willing to hear us out, are willing to give us a chance, are willing yeah. to find out more about us and things like this on this podcast talking about us openly um is only going to help with that well it's sort of linking that back to to what we started with about sort of the age uh, range of freemasonry i think a big part of that is is now being younger is not so peculiar no. in freemasonry uh, and therefore that that has a positive impact i think to all age groups um and likewise i think i think a natural assumption probably more of a, a sort of a leftover thing from from people from their teenage years is that we assume that younger people it's not cool to know older people and it's yeah. it is not you know you're a teenager walking down the street it's not cool to say hi to a 70 year old yeah no, that that's sort of the, the standard view but actually what i found is people my age really appreciate being able to to have that mature relationship oh, yeah, absolutely. with 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 someone with life experience with someone who's not their normal group of friends yeah and uh, it, it can bring a lot of things to your life that, that you don't sort of appreciate and that you're not really aiming for either yeah i mean i, I yeah i 100 percent vouch that and in, in fact after my initiation the, the the dinner after my initiation um i sat next to a chap who i'll be honest with you when I sort of saw who I was sat next to, I was a bit sort of like, oh, I don't have anything in common with this, but what am I going to talk to them about? You know, we obviously, he was probably in his 80s, maybe his 90s even, you know, how how are we going to find a sort of common ground here? And two hours later, I could have sat there for another hour and a half easily because he had been to places I'd never heard of. He had fought in wars that I'd never heard of. You know, he had experienced so much in his life that he was able to give me some fantastic advice. He was able to send, say to me, you know, make the most of it, you know. And actually having access to people like that, who that sort of being there, done that attitude, whose world is so much bigger than mine was at that point. You know, I was, a, as I say, a 21-year-old undergraduate um, who, you know, barely, you know, moving from Kent to Surrey was like, you know, Phileas Fogg to me, you know, almost. So... It was an eye-opening experience, but but as I say, I was so glad that I'd had the opportunity to sit next to someone. And I'm glad to say I've met so many fascinating people, so many. 
I think that really highlights one of the things about Freemasonry is that when people look from the outside in, perhaps some of the conspiracy theorists or, or whoever may be out there, they, they, they look at Freemasonry and think it's a closed organisation, it's a particular type of person that joins it, uh, maybe from a particular background, yeah. and, and you're all the same. You're all yeah. f- from, from, you know, let's be honest, wealthy families or whatever it may be. That, that incorrect perception. Yeah. Actually, I think what Freemasonry does is it gives you the ability to see the true diversity of society. Yeah. And I think it's, it's a bold statement, but it, it does lead the way in equality in a lot of different ways. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and I think you don't really truly appreciate that until you join. Uh, yes. As in it's difficult to tr- sort of experience that on a first-hand basis until mm-hmm. you're part of it. My experience is, you know, I'm be very honest, I'm a gay man. And Freemasonry is probably the only organisation I'm involved with, personally or professionally, where it has never once been an issue. Yeah. Not once. Yeah. Taking my partner to provincial dinners and to formal functions, yeah. nobody bats an eyelid. They ask us personal questions about our life, when you're going to get married, all this stuff. Yet you always have that fear at other times in your life of, of course, how are people going to react. Imagine. You know, never had that in Freemasonry. That's just testament, I think. But I mean, that that must be a really nice thing for for you. I mean, it's a really nice thing for for me to hear. Not not yeah. that I've I've experienced that, but that that's a really lovely thing to to hear about the the equality. That's what we're saying, the leading yeah. the way in equality in that sense. Yeah, absolutely. And what you were saying, Sean, about it, it comes from an unexpected place in a lot of different ways. You often expect, like you were saying, in a lot of areas of your life, you expect some sort of discrimination or or, or something like that. And you were saying, Sean, that you you found someone that was much older and you thought oh, yeah. what, what on earth am I going to talk to him about yeah I mean for me it came from a, something came from an unexpected place when I was so uh, almost five years five years ago now I uh, suffered a, a head injury and before that I used to do a lot of public speaking and after my head injury I really couldn't uh, for a very long time right and the first sort of proper public speaking that I did which is a skill that often non-Masons won't realise you you really learn to do yeah. in Freemasonry. It, it was a piece of ritual and it was those third degree tools that we mentioned earlier. Yeah. And I thought I did it and I was really nervous because one of the symptoms of my head injury was word finding difficulties. Right. So that that was a really direct problem with learning ritual. That, yeah. that I, you know, if I lost a word, that was it. It felt like it was going to be gone. Yeah. And And I did it and I wasn't completely thrilled with how I did it. I thought I could have done a little bit better. Everyone else thought I'm a bit of a perfectionist. Everyone else was quite happy with it. I wasn't too happy with it. And after the meeting finished, I mentioned earlier, I've got, I've got a 96-year-old Mason in my lodge. Yeah. He was sat very near me when I was delivering the, the tools. And I thought he came over to speak to me. And I thought, oh, no, he's going <laughs> to... Gonna lay he's, into me. He's he's gonna he's well he's gonna give me some criticism. This is gonna be embarrassing because yeah, I'm yeah, not yeah. pleased with how I did. Not right. because of his character or anything. I just no, thought course, yeah. I was almost yeah. I felt embarrassed. You were a little bit disappointed in yourself. Yeah, perhaps. Okay, and therefore I someone that I wanted to sort of do proud. I thought oh, yeah. no, I didn't didn't want to have this conversation. Yeah, and he came over and he said, um, Stephen, that was one of the best things I've seen. Wow. I went what? Anyway. He said, I'm, I'm 90, I think at the time he was 93, 94. So let's say he said, I'm 94 years old. He said, you're 19. You just stood up here in front of all these people with all the things that you've gone through and you gave it your best and you did a damn good job. 
And I said, oh, well, it was all right. And he said, no, it takes so much to stand up there and do that. Yeah. And that made, that meant so much to me of at course, the time. Yeah. That's lovely. Um, and, and that's what I mean about Welling it. Welling up. Really yeah. that's, a, that's a truly lovely story because yeah. there, there is none of that competitiveness, I think, in oh, Freemasonry. Absolutely yeah. not, no. You stand up and you're nervous to deliver these big pieces of ritual. Everyone wants you to do well. That's yeah. it. You yeah. can feel the support in the room that everyone yeah. wants you to do well. And that was my first, you know, it was my first experience giving ritual. So it's the first time experiencing that exactly. Yeah. But that, that story, you know, that yeah. um, name, worship your brother, Tony Winston. Shout out to Tony. Hello, Tony. Um, in 96, he's been the pre- preceptor of our lodge even t- till the other day. He only resigned the other day as preceptor of our lodge. So um, just for the non-Masonic listeners yes, again, what is a preceptor? Um, so so when we, obviously when we, when we have our meetings, it takes a lot of work and a lot of preparation to do the best for our candidate, for the person that's going to go through that ceremony. So we like to have a little bit of a practice before that. Yep. And the preceptor is the person that's in charge of that practice, making sure that it's that it's ready to go for the meeting. I have to say, I don't think there are many better feelings that I've experienced in my life, bar 10 maybe. And I'm talking about of my 29 years of life. Um, I think one of the very best has to be the feeling when you've delivered ritual well. Yeah. And you yeah. walk back to your seat and you think to yourself, yes, I have nailed that. And you've been working hard on it. You've put a load of time yeah. into into learning the words. And that satisfaction of thinking, you know what? All of those guys who are sat around here, they're looking at me and you can see the pride in their faces. Yeah. Because as you said, there's no competitiveness there. You know, and, and, and as you say, I remember that first time I did first degree working tools, which again, for non-Masons, it's a part of the initiation ceremony where it explains some of the symbolism around some of the the sort of tools that we have on on display in in the in the lodge room that they used to use in, in ancient times. That they times used to use was, exactly, yeah, sort of yeah. linking back to our links with the sort of medieval stonemasons and stonemasons before that. Um, but that that is, is is a relatively small piece of work can be done in probably less than three or four minutes, probably mm. delivered at a reasonable pace, and. I, I'll never forget that feeling when I when I did it for the first time. As I say, walking back to my seat and people reaching down, giving me a tap on the back, you know, and afterwards coming up to me and saying, really well done, you know, you did so well there. And, yeah. and honestly, what it made me think was two things. Firstly, I want more of that. Yeah. I, I want to chase that feeling because that yeah. was a great feeling. And secondly, actually, um, what a great group of guys I've got around me here. Yeah. You know, supportive um, engaged, want me to do well. And actually, that's all you can ask for, really, isn't it? Well, well I think it's something that we haven't sort of explicitly said there, but is definitely a big part of that feeling, is, as as we said before, the ceremony is you do your bit, it's for the candidate. Yeah. And to have worked that hard and got it right, and it's all for someone else. Yes, yeah, yeah that so you, you, you You've done it, you've done your best job for you, but ultimately you've so done true. it for them. Yeah. And I think that really encompasses the whole concept of of brotherhood, of that you're 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 doing your best yes. for that person who you might not even know very well. And but on on the basic, so on the basic, the premise that yeah. they have those values, you want the best for that person, that yeah, brother. Absolutely. And for again, any non Masons listening, when we're talking about the ritual and we're talking about delivering it really well, you actually memorize it. Yeah. You you don't read it from a book. You memorize it. And, and recites it from memory yeah. and you know there's a bit of drama involved in that as well because you're telling a story it's a, it's a quite a big piece of work yeah 
And I think it also teaches you on a personal level. It does help with your career, but not in the way the conspiracy theorists say it does. Because it actually makes you a better public speaker. It gives so you true. experience. It gives yeah. you such transferable skills. Yeah, such an underplayed benefit, actually, that I think. It's, it's really helped me in my professional life. I have to do a lot of speaking to a lot of large groups in my job. Yeah, yeah. But actually, I would have been a nervous wreck if it hadn't been for Freemasonry. Yeah. yeah. So true. Freemasonry has not helped me progress in my career. That's Sean, on me. Just assuming you would have been yeah, a nervous wreck. What, what, yeah. what a failure! I could tell that about you. Thank yeah. you so yeah. much, mate. Oh dear me! Um, but it's so many different transferable skills: public yeah. speaking, social skills, of and, and yeah. how many, for example, twenty-two-year-olds are comfortable with talking to a seventy-year-old yeah. like it's nothing? I, I don't know. I I don't think too many. Uh, yeah. But certainly, you look at. For example, my university lodge, and, and actually my mother lodge has a lot of young members in it now. Um, and, and you see it, and it's actually really nice. To sort of uh, The other day I was at a meeting at my mother lodge, Royal Lodge of Friendship, back home in Gibraltar. And I was sitting there, looked around. and Are you from Gibraltar? Sorry, well, I didn't. You've not <laughs> mentioned. You've, you've, not, you've not said um, that. <laughs> so I, I sat there looking around, and I thought, this age range is from 19 to 96. Yeah, brilliant. And with people in probably every decade of that age range. Yeah. There was maybe 25 of us there. Yeah. All having wonderful conversation, most yeah. of it not Masonic. No. And, and and I thought, you know, that's really what it's all about. Yeah. Brilliant. Mm. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I hope you've enjoyed that. Let us know your thoughts. Email us at podcasts at ujelly.org.uk. Let us know your thoughts. And we will, of course, read out um, as many emails as we can. In particularly the, next the interesting episode. ones. Well, yeah, I mean, ideally, they're all interesting. <laughs> but particularly the interesting ones. Are you doubting our listeners, Stephen? Uh, I, no, would never <laughs> dream of that. Absolutely not. Good answer. Get in touch with us on the Ujelly Twitter page, usually Facebook page, Ujelly Instagram page, however you engage with Ujelly. Get in touch. Let us know your thoughts on age within Freemasonry, your experiences. We want to hear about it. And as I say, we'll be sharing some of your emails in the next episode. I was going to say some anecdotes might be nice from our listeners about yeah, like absolutely. like the, one that, the ones that we've given. Uh, yeah, we want your, we want your anecdotes. Yeah, absolutely. For sure. We want you to be a, as much of a part of this podcast as we are. We want to hear from you. We want to hear your thoughts. We want to hear your anecdotes. As Stephen says, we want to hear your stories. What is it about Freemasonry that you love so much? Um, what lodge you're a member of? What province you're a member of? What do you remember remember most about your initiation? We want to hear about it. Craftcast is a Freemasons podcast. It is the Freemasons podcast. So we want to hear from the Freemasons of UGLE. And so this is, like Sean said, as much a part, you guys are as much a part of this as we are. So please do, we encourage you to get involved. And if you are not a Mason yet, and we know you want to be, and you've been listening to our podcast and you think that sounds amazing, you can email us as well. Tweet yes. us as well. We'll answer your emails. We'll read them out. If this is a way for you to get into Freemasonry and you've listened to us today and thought, that sounds amazing, and you know it is, please do get in touch. Yeah, and actually you've brought me very well on, James, to the next point, which is non-Masons out there, we want to hear your questions because we want to dedicate a whole episode of the podcast. At least. At least to answering your questions. What is it that you want to know? What misconceptions do you have that you want us to address? Um, what is it that interests you about Freemasonry? We want to hear it, so please do send in your emails to our email address. That's podcasts at ugle.org.uk. And we look forward to hearing from you. Until next time. Bye. Bye. 
Craftcast, the Freemasons podcast. The podcast is hosted by Sean Butler, Stephen Watley and James Dalton. The producer is Marta Zandri. And the podcast is edited by Trisonic 